Hi, folks. Welcome to episode 130 of the Wealth on Any Income podcast. This is where we talk about money tips, techniques, attitudes, information, and provide inspiration around your business and your money. I'm your host, Rennie Gabriel. In past episodes, we spoke about how to understand the numbers from your business, how to measure the level of pleasure based on where you spend your money, how to track your money in five to 10 seconds, what determines how close you are to complete financial choice, and how to run your business without being in your business. And last week, we had Jenny Hollow, who, with her husband, are traveling digital nomads, running their businesses as they travel around the world. Today's episode is a little unusual. I received a LinkedIn request from someone who said in her message, and I quote, I'd love to learn your money secrets and the keys to making money, peace, and happiness. I thought she was looking for a free consultation, but that was not the case. She explained her situation, and I set up a time for us to chat, and I wasn't going to charge her for that. As it turns out, she wanted me to be a guest on her podcast, which was not clear until we got on Zoom and spoke. It turned out to be a good interview for me. So you'll get to listen to that broadcast with Satwinder Kater, or as she prefers to be called, SK. Lovely to meet you. And thank you for taking the time out to uh, meet with myself and answer some questions. We've got half an hour on this call. So I thought I'd do a quick intro. And so I didn't get any sort of key things that you wanted me to say. So I've put something together and just let me know if it needs any corrections or anything. So so I want to say firstly, thank you uh, for joining. I'm SK from White Ivy Hub. I'm a personal financial corporate coach. I would like to introduce you to Renee Gabrielle, who has and he's had a very interesting journey from being broke to becoming a multimillionaire. He's a financial coach and provides online training and is an ex expert on wealth creation. And last but not least, uh, he's a TEDx speaker as well. At the age of 50, Rene became uh, a multimillionaire and a philanthropist and donates 100% of his profits to his nominated charity. You're an author uh, and I have a best-selling book called Wealth on Any Income, which we'll go into a little bit more detail later on in this interview. Anything else that you would like to add? Uh, no, other than it, it's funny because I thought we were just going uh, to have a chat and I didn't know we were actually doing a podcast interview. So this will be oh, a sorry. lot of fun. Sorry. Yeah, I should have made it clearer. I, I, Apologies. Yeah, that's my fault. <laughs> no problem, SK. I, I am ready. Brilliant. Okay. I was one of the, I've got a couple of questions and I hope I can get them squeezed into this half hour. So, one of the questions is tell us about your journey and the challenges that you faced up until you became a multimillionaire. Oh, yeah, that's easy. Well, uh, the reality is, since um, almost no one is taught by their parents how to handle money powerfully, uh, because parents can't teach what they don't know. And the school system doesn't provide any of that information. It gets worse because if you go to a certified uh, public accountant or a uh, certified financial planner, they have not been taught how to teach their clients 
how to handle money powerfully. I mean, like I'm certified as a financial planner, so I know it's not my coursework. I've spoken to hundreds of CPAs and asked them if this was in their coursework, and it was not. I don't know how different it may be in the UK, but it's non-existent Sorry. in the United States. Yeah. Well, there are 11 states now out of 50 mm -hmm. that do require some financial education prior to graduating high school, but I have no idea of what the content of that education may be. Mm -hmm. And so I struggled with money all my life, bottom line. Even as a certified financial planner, I didn't know the basics, but I researched and I read and I looked and I found them in the most unusual places, yeah. everything from a book called Rich on Any Income to a 12-step program called Debtors Anonymous. Wow. Okay. So eventually, I was able to put it all together. And by age 50, after a couple divorces and a business failure, I'm remarried for the uh, third, last, final, best time. Uh, and I started putting into practice the things that I had learned. And the most important is called pay yourself first. Now, um, SK, can I put you a little bit on the spot? Yeah. Okay. Could you explain, because a lot of people have heard the expression, pay yourself first. Mm. And on the summit I was just on earlier today, I asked the host if he could explain it. And he almost did. Most people are aware of it, but can't explain what it means. You're right, because the book, I think it was The, Bab uh, the Richest Man in Babylon. It is. That's it. correct. Yeah. And you've taken the three steps from there, and one of them is pay yourself first. And I really don't know, if I'm honest with you, what the deep meaning to that is. I don't know if it's about mindset or – I don't know. Yeah, perfect. And, and so – I'll tell you, the way I say it is that you treat yourself like you deserve to own some of the money you're earning. Mm. And how you practice that is you take a certain percentage, and it doesn't matter where you start, could be 1%, 3 5 whatever. The richest man in Babylon says 10%, so that's a good goal. Yeah. And you set aside from whatever you're earning 10% of the money that's coming in, doesn't matter if it's from your business, doesn't matter if it's from consulting, doesn't matter if it's from your paycheck, doesn't make any difference. And you set that aside to keep for the rest of your life. And that money is only used to invest, to create the income, so you don't have to work if you choose not to. It's an amazing fact, though, isn't it? I mean, and it's worked throughout the 500 years. 5,000 years. Yeah. And, and you know, that concept will be working when you and I are dust. It, it, if yeah. it's worked for 5,000 years, it's not going to stop working tomorrow. Well, I've got to say that one of my downfalls is when I've started a business, say, for example, consultancy, and you look at the profits that you make and you think, okay, you take, you take on a larger amount than 10% sometimes. It's just psychological behavior. You know, psychologically, you think, oh, I've got a lot more money. Then that means I can spend it. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and the cure to that is that yeah. you set up a separate account and put 10% there to actually spend later. Yeah. And if the car breaks down, 
the water heater bursts, you want to go on a vacation, you're short the money to pay taxes, you've got it in that other account. Yeah. Bottom line is, if someone just lives on 80% of what they're earning, mm -hmm. it works out beautifully for their whole life. Yeah, yeah. It took me, yeah. I was going to say, it took me 30 years to discover that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is something really new to me as well, if I'm honest with you. And what I find is that a majority of people are paying, are getting paid paycheck to paycheck. Yes. They, they're making it work, but a lot of their money is going on expenses. So how, do, what would you say to those people? Well, there are three areas that people can look at where they're spending their money so that they can make choices. The first are the discretionary expenses. Yeah. Like how much they're paying for satellite TV or screening stream, streaming services or entertainment, meals out. They have complete control and choice in the discretionary category. The second are the variable expenses. The utilities can go up and down, petrol, gasoline, goes up and down. And the final are the fixed expenses. And people say, I've got my mortgage, I've got my rent, I've got my car payment. These are fixed expenses. Yes, they are. And they can also be changed if someone has the willpower to do it. Yeah. As an example, yeah. I had an assistant many years ago. Now, many years ago, she was paying $600 a month rent for her yeah. apartment. Yeah. And I said, well, you should get a two bedroom instead of a one bedroom. She said, that doesn't make any sense. That, that, that's 800 a month. I, I can't afford the 600 a month. I said, yes. But if you get a roommate, now it's only 400 a month. Yeah. yeah. So even the fixed expenses can be changed. People yeah. could sell a larger home and move to a smaller home. People, you know, it's just the willingness that has to be looked at. Yeah. And there's, an, um, I would say, a mental shift to a certain yes. degree. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you help with that, don't you, with your present courses? Absolutely. I, I say there are three secrets to yeah. the wealthy. Yeah. And the first one is attitude. Yeah. And until that is dealt with, then people aren't even going to take advantage of all the knowledge that they have if their attitude is in the way. And as a matter of fact, oh. um, I uh, did my TEDx talk yeah. is based on the programming on how we are led to believe it's better to be poor than it oh. is to be wealthy. You oh. get that from the scripture. You get that from fairy tales. You get that from Hollywood movies. You get that from books. But it's subliminal. People don't realize that's what they're being told. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I did read up on that. I've, I've been doing a lot of research on, on your website and stuff. And um, the rich and the poor, you know, Robin Hood. Yeah, you've mentioned. Um, yeah. And the thing is, you don't think of yourself as taking it in subconsciously. That's the thing. It's until you mentioned it, you start thinking, ah. Okay. And it just makes you stop all of a sudden. Yes. You can, until it's brought yeah. to your awareness, yeah. you don't know it's happening. Yeah. But once it's brought to your awareness, you can see it everywhere. A, a good yeah. example are Hollywood movies. 
Be, yeah. I'll, I'll take one of the most popular, Titanic. Yeah. <clears throat> You've got Jack, who's poor, yeah. who's living in the bowels of the ship. Hmm. And you got Mary, who's up in the penthouse cabin with her fiance. He's very wealthy, and he's just a horrible person. Yeah. So people look at, well, wait a second. Jack is poor, but he's happy. The wealthy person has all this money, but he's miserable. He's mean. Yeah. He's insecure. And people think, oh, well, I don't want to be wealthy. I don't want to be like him. I don't want to be a nasty person. And I think Warren Buffett said it so well. Yeah. He says, money just brings out the basic traits in people. Yeah. If they were jerks before they had money, yeah. They were simply jerks with a billion dollars. Yeah, yeah. And the opposite is true. A good person who becomes wealthy is still a good person. Mm. And a jerk who becomes wealthy is still a jerk. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you come about discovering your money purpose? Um, um, by accident. <laughs> okay. um, it, it. I've always been you know, charitably inclined. I just feel, you know, I've always had enough to take care of myself. And even when my I wasn't doing well and struggling, we could still give blankets to the poor or go to a yeah. homeless shelter and feed people in a, in a soup kitchen. We could still do those things, even if I didn't have the money yeah. to donate to charities. Yeah, it's and very humbling. Mm. So now that I have the money, I can do so much more. Yeah. I think it's amazing what you do. And, uh, you know, especially where the dogs are concerned. And, you know, you've saved two lives, like you've mentioned, behind you. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. I know that you were in debt, uh, in debt at one point in your life. Oh, yes. Um, several times. Of, yeah. Really, yeah. So name me one experience where you kind of clawed your way out of that um, uh, experience. Okay. I'll give you the most recent, which happened 25 years ago. Yeah. And that was, I'm 50 years of age, divorced for the second time. I have no money. And I'm dating this very lovely woman. And I'm broke. What I did is I used the concept, pay yourself first. I was only earning 5000 a month. So I'm not making a lot of money. Yeah. But I set aside $500 a month. Okay. Now, in three years, I saved up $18,000. I'm 53 years of age. And, you know, that's really kind of a disappointing savings account for someone at 53. Yeah. yeah. I had credit card debt. Yeah. And this is very important. Too many people are told, pay off your debt before you invest. Mm -hmm. And that is the most damaging advice to creating wealth. Yeah. If I'd have taken that $18,000 and paid off my credit card debt, yes, I would have been debt free. But, but let me ask you a question, uh, uh, SK, can I put you on the spot? Yeah, 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 go ahead. Okay, let's make believe you had no debt. You had no credit card debts, you had no mortgages, you had no car loans, no taxes, nothing. You, had, you owed no money to anybody. You were completely debt free. Yeah. That's all I'm telling you. Yeah. If you had absolutely no debt, would you have financial freedom or would you still have to work for a living? I still have to work. Absolutely. I still got to live. 
Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Still have to buy food, pay yeah. utilities. Mm. And people think, oh, if I'm debt free, I'm, I have financial freedom. Oh. No. Yeah. Yeah. You need to have an income. And the only way the income comes to you is two yeah. ways either you yeah. work for it, yeah. or you have assets that are working for yeah. you, generating that income. Yeah, yeah. Getting back to what I was saying, if I took that $18,000 and instead of paying off my credit cards with it, mm -hmm. my wife had this realtor who said, Rennie, you should buy this little piece of income property. It was three yeah. units. Yeah. I said, Robert, I, 18, I can't buy, I don't, I don't have a down payment. 18, all I have is $18,000. We're in Los Angeles. That doesn't buy anything. But the realtor said, you know, this is such a good deal. I'll come up with half the down payment. Oh, wow. And my wife said, you know what, Rennie, I'll come up with 25%. I had 25%. Yeah. So the three of us bought that property. So I say, wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. So the three of us bought that property. And within a few years, my $18,000 was worth 125000 that's significant in four years. Did you know that the property prices were going to go up in that area by that percentage? No, no. But we took action to improve. We bought a property that was mismanaged and had deferred maintenance. Okay. So we cleaned it up. We re-landscaped it. Uh, we put in new tenants. We increased the rents. And we mm. increased the value of the property. We weren't just looking to for the values around us to go up, we bought something that we could add value to. Mm -hmm. And we did that multiple times. Okay. And what I did is I borrowed money to make down payments on more apartment buildings. I used debt to create okay. wealth. Yeah. So you so, took out the equity from your apartment and then moved it into buying another exactly. apartment. Yeah. In the United okay. States, we have a thing called... Um, uh, tax deferred exchange. It's section okay. 1031 of the, the IRS code. Uh -huh. And it allows you to, if you sell something and buy something like what you sold, yeah. like real estate for real estate, mm. you can move all the money and not pay the taxes. Yeah, that's really lucky. And it doesn't matter the value of the property that you buy? No, no. Well, it does have to exceed what you're selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it has, you have to be moving up. And that's what we did. We sold the three unit and mm. purchased the 15 unit mm. with yeah. all the capital gains. We had a half a million dollar profit on that property. Yeah. Yeah. My 18,000 turned into a half a million dollar profit yeah. and now it got rolled into an 18, uh, 15 unit building. Wow. That is amazing. Yeah. So, but so how again, come everyone else isn't doing it then? Well, fear, lack of knowledge, uh, yeah. not knowing someone who could do that with them. Yeah. But like I said, we were doing it with a realtor. He found a good property. He found yeah. multiple good properties that had deferred maintenance and were mismanaged. Mm -hmm. And I had taken a class at UCLA like 15 years earlier yeah. on how to manage multi-unit properties. And now I'm finally 15 years later able to put it into practice. Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. That's really great that you like trained yourself and educated yourself um, yeah. in yeah. a field. Yeah. Well, I was, like I said, I was always struggling with money. So I was always looking to how yeah. do I do better? Just didn't have the money to, <laughs> to, to do it with.
Yeah, and I think the interesting part to this is when the economy goes up and down and, you know, like you've got this cycle when you're going into a recession. So, mm-hmm. for example, now no one's saying it, that we're in a recession, but you could say that we are, and that's when the interest rates are going up and, yep. you know, the mortgage payments are going up. Yep. Um, and obviously back in the 80s, you know, there was a real slump. Yes. You know, the banks were bailed out, certainly here. By the government. Same thing uh, here. Same thing there. Okay. Did that affect you at all in any way? Um, no. I'm so glad you asked that because in yeah. 2008, when yeah. the mortgage meltdown occurred and we yeah. had a worldwide recession, um, we had just purchased this 14-unit building, yeah. and it didn't impact us at all because we weren't over-leveraged. Yeah. And we had a relationship with our tenants, so they all continued to pay rent. Mm. And even if the value of the real estate declined, mm. our rents didn't go down. Oh, wow. Okay. And everybody still paid their rent. The yeah. only difference that I recall from, well, let's see, that's 14 years, 15 years ago. Yeah. Was it instead of renting an apartment that came available within a day or two? Yeah. It would take two or three weeks. Oh, wow. That was the only difference for us. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, is it about finding the right area? or? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, always buying in a quality area and always having tenants who we qualified as being quality people. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Thanks a lot for sharing that. It's really sweet of you to do that. Yeah. You're welcome. So, yeah. so the backstory is I struggle with money all my life. Yeah. I spent 30 years trying to figure out how to do things correctly. I finally yeah. figured it out and was able to put it into practice. And so now what I do is I show other people the same concepts that I applied yeah. and I donate a hundred percent of the profits to charities yeah. because yeah. I created a passive income yeah. from my investments, yeah. cover my standard of living, our, our standard of living, my wife and myself, yeah. and I can donate the profits to charity. Yeah. And, you know, well done. Well done, Renee. And, it's you know, you're a true testament to people that can have a chance to do what you've done. And, you know, it's great that you're sharing this knowledge out, especially at these times when people are kind of struggling in the economy now. So so what led you to choose the path you ended up taking where where you solved the debt problem? And why why did you go through it eight you mentioned you were in debt eight times. Why did you go through yeah, that several times. eight times? Because well, I mean you came out of debt and then you went back into debt. Yes. Yeah. Right exactly because I wasn't able to and didn't know the basic principles to handling money effectively. That gets back to what I said is that Wealth creation is a team sport. And I'll give you the first example. I was in my 30s. Yeah. I understood the principle of pay yourself first. Yeah. I began to do it. In 10 months, I was earning 3000 a month at the time. In 10 months, I saved up $3,000. Yeah. I'm thinking, wow, this is so great. And then when it was time to file my taxes, yeah. the Internal Revenue Service said I owed $3,000. Okay. And all the money I just saved for those 10 months went to the IRS. And I was so dejected and so down 
I stopped paying myself first. Had I been willing to talk to other people and say, oh, yeah, I'm so upset and this is what happened, someone could have said to me, well, yeah, Rennie, if you hadn't saved that money, you'd have had to borrow it to pay the IRS and then paid interest on top of it. Why not just save more money? And so you're ready for your tax. But the point is, I was trying to do everything all by myself. Yeah. Had I been I sharing with other people, I would have probably been far better off, far younger. Mm -hmm. And we've all, all had, I'm sure we've all had a nasty tax bill come in, not expecting it to be so large. Yeah, I have. I have, Renee. So I totally understand how you feel. But it almost feels like you're on this wheel, just churning, just running around, running around. Um, yes. To go through it eight times. Um, no, no, three, three. Three times, okay. Yeah, eight oh. years apart. That's where you got eight the eight. years apart. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When you look back at your goals, for example, who would you say, and if you don't mind sharing this, do you write down your goals and, do, and you know, do you actually achieve your vision, uh, so forth, or your secret sauce, as, as I yeah, say? I, yes, I absolutely did write down my goals. Yeah. Uh, I had a specific process for writing them down. Yeah. They were written in the present tense, five years in the future, as though that occurred right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I am doing this. I do have this. I am being interviewed on this program. That is how I wrote mm -hmm. the goal. So they were in present tense, five years out in the future. Yeah. How and do you do that, though? I mean... You're not there yet. You're not doing the interviews. You're not, but you've said, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Exactly. I'm doing it right now. Because that is how it works. That has your mind follow in lockstep with what you're writing down. Mm. It's not like, because if you say, I will have, I will have, mm. then it's always in the future that you, you will have, you will, and it never shows up. Yeah. But if you say, I have, that means it's arrived. That means you've accomplished it. Yeah. And that's what your mind will believe whatever you tell it. If it if you tell it, I am successful, it will believe it. If you tell it, oh, nothing ever works out for me. Yeah. It'll make sure that's how things show up. Yeah. Yeah. And then how, what motivates you throughout the whole process? Um, are there books that you read? I mean, you I think you shared there. Yes, there are books I read everything from Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich yeah. to The Richest Man in Babylon to Barbara yeah. Sher's work, Wishcraft. I mean, oh yeah, my. constantly reading books, listening to tape cassette programs, speaking to other people. As an yeah. example, I talk about how great my book is. Yeah. And my book really is great. It's been translated yeah. into eight languages. However, yeah, I don't care what book it is. There is no book that can do two vital things yeah. that are crucial to success. One of them is it yeah. can't interrupt you if you have faulty thinking. Okay. If I'm reading a book and I tell myself I can't do this, the book can't smack me in the yeah. face and say, that's not true, you can. Book can't do that. A person can, but a book yeah. can't do that. It's how truthful you want to be to yourself, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so that requires a human being. And the second thing the book can't yeah. do is it can't hold you accountable 
to what you say you want to accomplish or what actions you're going to take. So if I write down, I'm going to begin paying myself tomorrow, you know, $10. Yeah. And you don't do it. The book isn't going to say, Rennie, you said you were going to pay yourself $10 today. Did you do it? No. Yeah. But a person can do that. So yeah. that's why I continue to say wealth creation is a team sport, not a solo sport. Yeah. I don't care how good the book is. It can't do those two vital things. Yeah, yeah. And did you have any mentors or coaches or guides to oh, take you through your journey absolutely. as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had business coaches. I had coaches in mastermind programs. Yeah. I had a mentor who I was with for mm, 10, 12 years till she passed away. How valuable were they for you in your journey? Oh, I, I don't think I could measure the value. It's been enormous. Yeah. yeah. These are the things... These are the people who held me accountable. These are the people who made me think bigger. These are the people who asked me what my goals were and how I was going to accomplish them. Wow. Wow. Uh, that's a real inspiration, isn't it? That you, I mean, America is pretty good at, you know, with all these mentoring. It's quite an acceptable thing in your culture, isn't it? Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 And it's really refreshing to hear that, that actually it's a brilliant investment. If you were to take that one, yeah, yeah. So we're coming up to a half hour and I wanted to find out, you know, how can people buy your book and, you know, what do you have to offer your, you know, anyone out there trying to seek some advice around, you know, handling their finances and where do they go? Where's your website? I'll make is there it any, real easy. There? Yeah. Uh, the book title is Wealth on Any Income. Yeah. The website is wealth on any income. <laughs> yeah. And if they put forward slash TEDx, yeah. they'll hear my TEDx talk about how we would, we've been programmed to believe it's better to be poor. Yeah. And the cure is a free gift, which is a nine step roadmap to complete yeah. financial choice and an yeah. explanation of all those nine steps. Yeah. And if they want to hear me and me interview guests and talk about business growth, I have a podcast called Wealth on Any Income. Oh, okay. Right. I keep it simple. Yeah. So you can join that podcast through your website. Yes, it's on my website. It's right. on uh, Apple, Stitcher, yeah. most platforms that people listen to. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Uh, but SK, yeah. I really want to thank you for this opportunity. And by the way, the charity that gets the donations and the profits from the work yeah. I do, there's a link at the top of my homepage at Wealth on Any Income. Okay. They can find yeah. out more about that specific charity. Perfect. Yeah, no, that's great. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I've got, that's only, I've come to my last question now. So, you know, it's been a pleasure. So thanks a lot for taking the time out to meet me and, um, you know, to answer all these questions. It's been a real privilege. Thank you. I admire you the way that you've, you know, you've handled your journey and the best of luck. Thank you so much, SK. Yeah. Thank you for the opportunity to be on the show. Thank you. Uh, my pleasure. To all of those who are still listening, if you'd like to know how books, movies, and society programs you to be poor and what the cure is, then log on to wealthonanyincome.com forward slash TEDx. 
you'll hear my TEDx talk and can request a free nine-step roadmap to complete financial choice and philanthropy and receive a weekly email with tips, techniques, or inspiration around your business or your money. And if you'd like to see how you can increase your wealth and donate to the causes that touch your heart, please check out our affordable program, Wealth with Purpose. To my listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can listen to the Wealth on Any Income podcast on your favorite platform, and please rate, review, and subscribe. And until next week, be prosperous. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.